0: Good morning. Good morning. It is officially 930. Uh, Welcome to Sunday School. Uh, We are here and getting ready to get online with another uh, opportunity to hear what God's word is and what he has to say to us. Uh, While we allow people to get online with us, I'm going to play the selection. Thank you again for for the praise team for this. Um, I Almost Let Go by Kurt Carr and the Kurt Carr Singers. So we'll play this while we allow people to get on with us. Thanks for being here this morning. Morning, Judy. Morning, Bev. I think I saw you jump on earlier. Jasper, good morning. Church off on the right foot today. Amen. Morning, Angie. Morning, Ronnie. God's mercy, Kevin. Me. Can I get a witness in here that knows about God's grace? Amen. Morning. Come on, next to tell me. I was really down. I was really down. Morning, Marnell. Really Morning, Johnny. Oh, God's mercy kept me. God bless you, brother. God's Good things are coming, everybody. Good things are coming. God already has the victory over Satan. He has defeated Satan. Amen. Always remember that. Let's go. We have to live as if we have the victory. Amen. beautiful song um Kurt Carr and the Kurt Carr Singers that was um I almost let go I'm glad that we were able to listen to that this morning and be able to uh just listen to the truth God takes care of us even when we try to give up uh, he is still there for us and we appreciate the fact that he is very patient and that he indeed extends his grace to us at a moment when we really need it we just have to sometimes live that way. We just have to understand that uh, his truth uh, is always going to prevail. He is going to prevail over any uh, death, disease, anything else that's going on in our lives right now. And uh, he's keeping us right now because we're able to get together online and worship him and give him praise today and uh, in the future. I think it's appropriate to mention uh, from the announcements uh, this morning that we've got a uh, Um, Of course, today is the last day of January of 2021. Uh, We're already into January and we're moving into February tomorrow. And with that in mind, just as a reminder for everyone here with us that uh, we're going to be here uh, all through February as well, too, worshiping on and giving God the praise online. That is our fellowship opportunity, and that's what we will be doing. Uh, We're going to be making the most of it, making sure that you have plenty of content Uh, to be able to look at and to understand. We want to make sure that you are getting your church experience through this medium. We hope that you're indeed doing that right now, and that's why we'll always try to be online, at least live, doing this in Sunday school for the foreseeable future. Um, After Gus did do a weekday Bible study study, uh, that was posted uh, on Thursday night, Friday morning. Uh, for you to go back and look at and we're going to keep doing that during the week as well too as well as provide uh, the Sunday messages and we do have a Sunday message that will be available online after Sunday school today that uh, will be uh, from Pastor Gus. Uh, What do you believe is the name of the message? It'll be online in the timeline here uh, and you'll be able to participate and look at that message as well too. I had the pleasure of hearing it uh, uh, as it was provided to me for uploading and it's a great message, everybody. Please uh, make sure that you take that in sometime today. Uh, we encourage you. The neat thing about uh, being online—that uh, is something that we we don't we're not able to do usually when we're live—is, but we can go back and look at. Uh, you can actually stop the the recording uh, as you're looking at it online. If you have to take a break and come back to it, or you can go back over it and look at it again. If there was something you weren't sure about, uh, that's the neat thing about this. This is a it's a real blessing to be able to do this, and I just want to make sure that you're making the most of your time online to enjoy your church experience. That's what this is all about. So please stay on the timeline for that uh, as we continue to just give glory and praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't it doesn't top being uh, together um, uh, as individuals in church. No way we'll ever top that, but this is the next best thing, and it's a provision that God has allowed us to do. And so... Make the most of it. Please make the most of it. Also remember, uh, as we're talking about this, to for those people who we know who are not able to join us online, who are, for whatever reason, they are they're challenged, they don't have Wi-Fi, whatever it is, um, please pray for them. Please look those people up. You, if you, For those of you who are in the church, you kind of know who they are. You Just give them a look. Uh, call them, contact them, say, uh, pray for them, pray with them. And uh, send them a card too, if that is something that you can do as well. We appreciate you remembering everyone uh, in our fellowship uh, at this time. It's very difficult. We're going to be another four weeks or so until we get um, uh, back into church, which is projected to be the first week Sunday in March. Uh, so we'll see where we are with that. But so we're going to be online on, all through February. Continuing with the announcements, please um, remember your tithes and offerings. Please note that we still need to operate our church building. We need to operate and make sure the utilities are paid, all the things that are taken care of. Uh, Please remember to take care of that. If you want to mail your tithes and offerings, you can mail them to the church, Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate you remembering that. Uh, If you would like to drop your tithes and offerings off at the church today, you can do so between 11.30 a.m. and 12.30 p.m. Uh, there will be a, a little drop box right at the side of the church uh, on the where the main entrance is. Uh, please take advantage of that as well, too, so that we can get that right to the church and make sure that it's all taken care of. Uh, the weather is going to be interesting today. I, I, there's snow in the forecast, and yet um, it's much worse to the west of us. So if you want to get out and just uh, stretch your legs a little bit, if you don't have any, if you're not... Uh, Weirded out by the weather, you can go ahead and do that today. But if you can't, just mail it. Uh, we want to make sure that they we're not forgetting um, uh, anyone when it comes to this. And I believe, and just to, the emphasis once again, just to pray uh, for everybody. Just to just have that note written twice. Want to make sure of that. We're going to go ahead and pray and get into Sunday school and get started today. Um, we. Um, have a passage that I think is going to be very, very interesting indeed to take a look at. It is, uh, it's in First Timothy, but let's go ahead and do this. Let's get started. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, that's okay. Let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. That's that's live, everybody. Stuff happens. That's okay. Let's go ahead and look to Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to just uh, set aside and quiet our souls, quiet our minds, and allow you to speak to us right now. We thank you for this time that you've set aside for us. We thank you for your very presence this morning. Lord, we pray for um, our city, our, our our nation. We pray specifically about uh, the control of this uh, this virus, this thing that's been going around, and uh, it's been quite prevalent, and people, when they get sick, some, they just get really sick, and I know that it's really tough um, when you hear about people who you know who are are down for the count for a little while, and we pray, Lord, that there is just a complete healing and recovery from all of this, and we pray that you also stem the tide of that virus as well, too, Lord, that um, we, we don't want to come to conclusions as to why we have it. We just know that it's here, and we know that you are in control of all things, and as a people who are prayerful and praying to you right now, we're asking for relief in that area. We're also asking for just your peace as well, too. We're asking for you to grant us patience. As we go day through day and look at the situation right now, we just pray, Lord, that you'll just give us patience, that we can endure, that we can come through this, and that we can indeed gather together as a church very soon. Bless us, Lord. Help us to now be able to hear what you have to say to us Not the words that I use, but the words that you're using. And we give you praise and thanks in all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to 1 Timothy chapter 2. We are going to look at verses 1 through 15 today in 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. This particular message, of course, is, uh, has to do specifically with Paul giving uh, information and instructions to the church, uh, also to Timothy as well, too. And we're going to look at instructions on worship because we need to be able to know how to worship, especially um, where we have a situation where we are clearly not gathering together and we need to kind of look at this in, with greater detail. What about our worship time? What about how we're doing this today? Uh, online, uh, looking at Facebook, Facebook live <clears throat> pardon me as well as looking at um, messages that are pre-recorded and taking these things in because whether it's given to us live or online, uh, whether it's given to us in person or online it's still the same thing. It's taking in content and and making sure that you're understanding what God is saying to you through that content um, and I want you, to look at this and look at what Timothy is saying here and look at where your attitude needs to be because I think that's what's going to come out when I look at this passage and I read it before you. Now, um, first of all, I just ask for your pardon in case I have allergy voice. I just have to clear my throat every now and then, so bear with me on that. But let's go ahead and read verses 1 through 15 of 1 Timothy um, chapter 2. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so follow along in your version, but I think you're going to really appreciate uh, what this lesson is about and what it's saying. A lot of good content. So let's start with verse 1. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Verse 7, and I have been chosen as a preacher an apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. I'm not exaggerating, just telling the truth. Verse 8 In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. And I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair, or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. Women should learn quietly and submissively. I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly, for God made Adam first, and afterward he made Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived by Satan, the woman who was deceived, and sin was a result. But women will be saved through childbearing, assuming they continue to live in faith, love, holiness, and modesty. Now, before you completely, ladies, before you completely check out on that last section, which some of you may have done that, I don't know. I'm watching the count drop right before my eyes. Uh, (laughs) um, There is some study in this that I want to share with you that this is really a reinforcement of uh, the importance of looking at how. Paul is speaking about men and women and worship in the church. A lot of people have jumped to conclusions about this in ways that uh, really aren't supported by anything scripturally. We have to kind of go back and look at the totality of scripture, the totality of what Paul has said about men and women in worship and what was involved here. Amen, Judy. Thank you. Still being here. (laughs) We appreciate that. Um, This is a balanced message for both men and women. So I want you to understand what's going on here. Let's start with the top, and we'll work our way down. And we're going to cover all of it today because I'm not going to leave this uh, where there's any conjecture about it after the fact. Amen? Uh, It's very important because I looked at this message, and I said, ooh, well, we want to make sure we cover all these points. Um, So that's what Sunday school is all about. That's why we're here. So let's get back to the top here, uh, starting with verse 1. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so we can uh, live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity this is good and pleases god our savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth so when you look at this passage here's a very important point maybe you haven't looked at it this way but we need to look at it in such a way we talk about god being all-powerful mighty all-knowing uh, he sees everything. We've given them many different names of God and given different descriptions as to who God is. And we do that because we have different personalities and it helps us to understand God who is as it matches up best with who we are, who he created us to be. Um, but we need to understand that he has done, even though he is all those things, all powerful, all knowing, he has chosen. This is a choice that he has made to let us help him change the world through our prayers. Prayers change things. Prayers impact things that are taking place. Because God wants us to be righteous and he listens to us as he makes us righteous and as we remain in righteousness with him, he hears our prayers. And I think that it's very important for us to understand that for those of us who are not praying, my question to you is why not? You have to be a prayerful people. God has put prayer in our lives as a means of communication with him. Prayer is a way for us to talk to God as he talks to us through his word, through other people, through circumstances, through dreams. All the different ways that God communicates with us, he is communicating with us on a regular basis. You have got to be a prayerful believer, a prayer warrior for Jesus Christ. He gives us, and he didn't have to, by the way, he gives us the ability to pray and change things in the world. Praying for people who are lost, praying for, pe- praying for a world that's lost, praying for a country that is in strife and turmoil, praying for leadership, praying for anyone who is willing to listen to God and speak to God themselves in leadership. We should be praying for anybody who wants to be in leadership? I think Pastor Gus had a message last week talking about that very issue. The people who uh, we should be praying for—people who are followers of Jesus Christ, serving the Lord Jesus Christ—and getting them in a position where they're serving and, and following Christ as they provide leadership in within government, within uh, our our very society. And all it takes—I've you know, said this on several occasions because. Some believers could do a better job of praying, but it takes a remnant. Uh, Whatever that remnant is of people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who are fervent in their prayer and seeking the Lord, God hears those people and listens to them and responds to those prayers for those people who are doing that. So please keep in mind, whether it's one person or a hundred million people, uh, he hears your prayers if you are praying and seeking after him with all sincerity. Now, Paul wants us to understand this. It's a mystery. We don't understand why God allows this, but he does it. But the fact is, is that it's a reality. He does it. He does those very things. He wants us to be prayerful people. Um, take, If you don't get anything else out of today's lesson, the prayer of the righteous avails much. That is something that we want to always remember. Uh, and that passage, uh, it's, I don't know exactly where it is. My my bride can look it up on her own and post it. Uh, but that's something that if you're the righteous person who is truly seeking God, remaining obedient to him, looking at his word, studying his word, uh, living according to his word, and you're praying, it's part of the whole process of living in God's image. You're going to do those things. It does indeed have an impact. It matters. Paul bases his instruction about prayer for everyone On his conviction that God's invitation for salvation extends equally to all people. God wants to see every person come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Everyone means everyone. Everyone means literally all people. That's what he wants to see. He wants us to understand that he wants everyone to come to a saving knowledge. So therefore, we should be praying for those very things. So keep that in mind as we look at those things understand that um what posted. oh you posted it james five sixteen. fantastic i knew i read it sometime um it may actually it actually is in this particular section too so great well um but our prayers will have powerful results we need to understand those things i want to look at another passage too since we're talking about that take take a look real quick at psalm um, 139 psalm 139 We're going to look at verses 13 through 18 and read through those very quickly. And we need to understand that it's important for us to see why God loves us as much as he does. He created us. He knows all about us. He knows who we are as a people. Uh, We probably can't read this passage enough because it's really important for us to see that we are not a mistake. We are actual people that God took the time to create. He is given us dna he has given us all we need and he wants us to understand that we are precious we are very precious i'll just read very quickly this is the english standard version psalm 139 verses 13 through 18 for you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb i praise you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works my soul knows it very well my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth? Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. There was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. It's a beautiful passage, so poetic but so true as to how God knows all about you and me. Uh, he, we were fearfully and wonderfully made, and we need to look at this. This should help us to understand that God didn't make any mistakes when it came to creating people. He created every one of us, each one of us, for a reason and a purpose. And one of those primary reasons that he created us is because he loves us. He wants us to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He wants us to be prayerful for other people for the same things. He is all-powerful and all-knowing, but he still gives us that ability to pray for him because he deems us precious. We are precious human beings. We need to live in such a way where we recognize that Jesus truly does love us. Now, I know Satan does everything he can try to do to try to make you feel unloved, unwanted, Uh, without uh, God, forgot all about you, doesn't want you to have love, uh, doesn't want you to understand what love is. So that's a trick of Satan. And so you need to overcome all of that and just say, no, get behind me, Satan. Uh, I know that God loves me for who I am. Does he want us to do better? Does he want us to indeed continue to grow and improve in fellowship with him? Absolutely. Uh, He doesn't love us as sinners. He loves us in spite of our sin. Uh, because we choose to have fellowship with him, ask for repentance, ask for forgiveness. These are all things we need to take into account, but it doesn't diminish how much he loves us. Um, As we get further into this lesson, we'll talk more about that. So let's continue. Let's take a look real quick at verse 4 once again. God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. You see that? That's what he wants. That's his will his will for us is that he wants us to understand um, what he would have us to do. He wants to understand how important it is to be saved, to know the truth about salvation. So Peter and Paul said that God wants everyone to be saved. That's also in 2 Peter three nine. We don't need to turn to that, but we, we recognize that is what that verse says. Now, we say this with caution because we understand that It doesn't mean that everyone's going to be saved because everyone's not going to be saved. We already know that. The Bible is going to make it very clear and has made it very clear in Scripture that there will be people who will be lost. Otherwise, why talk about it? Um, It's mentioned uh, in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. People are going to reject Christ. People are rejecting Christ today. John 12, verses 44 through 50 is another passage. And let's take a look at Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 Turn to that with me, please. Hebrews 10, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 10, verses 26 through 29. Hebrews 10, verses 26 through 29. God wants everyone to be saved. It doesn't mean everyone will be saved. Let me just read from verse 26. Once again, English Standard Version. Now, that passage is there to give you the indication that there obviously have been people who have uh, cursed God, uh, cursed his name, just don't want to follow him. We know of people like that that are written about in the book of Revelation. We know that those people are and do exist, have existed all throughout time. We need to understand that. He desires for everyone to be saved, but not everyone will be. All the more reason for us to be people who change the lives of, of others through prayer we need to pray for people who don't know the lord and we need to give it all we got and just lift those people up to the lord each and every day each and every moment we think about it um, because we don't ever want anyone to suffer the fate of eternal separation from god you know a lot of there's a lot of emphasis on punishment punishment uh, that does take place when we leave here if we don't acknowledge jesus christ and lord and savior and there is indeed punishment there is eternal punishment there is indeed suffer- suffering uh, that takes place, but probably the worst thing is that separation. That separation from God. You were created by God. You have eternal separation from God if you don't acknowledge who Jesus Christ is. I think that we need to understand that it's a very solemn and lonely place to be, uh, to be in hell and be in torment. And and that separation is really the focus that we need to always remember. Um, you know what? And people get turned off because well, why? You know, God wouldn't send somebody to hell, you know, and and all that, using all that logic. And I'm saying, well, no, you send yourself. Uh, if you deny God, then you have acknowledged, you've denied the very person who created you, the very being that created you. So that's where we need to look at here. So the good news, the gospel, which is really the gospel message here in this first part of this passage, has a universal scope. It's not Directed to people of one race, it's not to one sex, it's not one national background. God loves the whole world, sent his son to be to save sinners. No one is outside of God's mercy or beyond the reach of his offer of salvation. So that's the thing to take away from here. People will reject God, but there's no one beyond um, his offer of salvation. No one is beyond reach of it. Uh, all you need to do is acknowledge Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and acknowledge that he is Lord and you have eternal life and fellowship with him. Okay. Let's get back to the passage. is a very rich passage, so I uh, I I don't want to rush through this, so please bear with me as we go through this and we'll cover it uh, almost verse 5. verse. Uh, back to verse 5, first Timothy chapter 2. For there is one God and mediator, one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. We need a Savior. We are separated from God by sin. A sinless God and sinful people cannot have fellowship. It doesn't work. So we need to make sure that we are looking at what salvation truly is. Only the sacrifice of Jesus brings new life to all people. What Christ did on the cross for us shed his blood for us, the blood that turned our sin uh which was uh, that crimson blood turned our sin and made it made us white as snow. And that's something that we have to always remember. And that's why we have church, everybody. I mean, that's why we get together online to reinforce and remind everyone that we truly are blessed. Uh, we are blessed beyond measure because we acknowledge Christ as Savior. We, we have something that you can't buy. We have something that you can't pay for. We have something that you can't earn with good works we have something that is so special there is no cost that you can put to measure it there's no price Um, so we need to always remember that we are indeed blessed we have much and we have a great deal so we need to live that way and understand those very things let's continue this is a message God gave to the world at just the right time now verse 7 And I have been chosen as a preacher and apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. I'm not exaggerating, just telling the truth. Then down to verse 8. In every place of worship, listen to this men very carefully. I want men to pray with holy hands, lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Now, most of us men know how guys are. We are guys who... Usually keep to ourselves. Our emotion is usually not very uh, well represented, especially in a place of worship or place of a church. Now, let me ask you a question. What keeps you from putting your hands up high right now and worshiping God because of his goodness and mercy? Uh, you're at home. Uh, let's look at it that way, too. Uh, I, I made a point to give special emphasis to the ABCs of online worship um that's also in this timeline further down you can scroll and take a look at it but ultimately what it comes down to is that in order for you to get the most out of worship you got to put the time into it you got to allow the time you've got to be intentional and you need to call in the holy spirit because god is speaking to us through the word as it's presented no matter where it comes from and guys need to understand that we have so much to be thankful for we are blessed beyond measure we have our lives, we have our health, and our health it could be better sometimes, but we, we still are functioning. We are still able to speak the love of Jesus Christ to anyone and everyone. Um, there's nothing holding you back. I have to put my hands right here so you can see them. There's nothing holding you back from raising your holy hands. And this is men. This is what, this is what Paul is saying to men. I want men. This is showing you how to worship. Men are, are supposed to be leaders in the church. And so when people see that, and they're not doing it because other people are doing it, they can do it because they're sincere about their worship and faith. They're sincere about who they are as people. And people need to see that. They need to see men as leaders in the church. Um, That's really what has not been happening over the years. It's been less and less. And now I, I think that the men of our church, the ones who are in leadership, they do a very good job of that. Um, Can we do more? Well, we we don't do it just to please other people. We do it because we're sincere about how we worship. I want men to pray with holy hands, lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. And now it moves into verse 9 because he's given instruction to men. And so I've said my piece about that. Now let's talk about I want women, it says, to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attracted by the good things they do. Now, ladies, let's have a conversation, because this is something that um, Paul is saying, because we need to understand the dynamic of what's taking place back at that time, as well as even today's dynamic about that. Now, Paul is not prohibiting anything. He is giving us common sense to look at here. He was simply saying that women should not be drawing attention to themselves. And you know how women, if they're not careful, can draw attention to themselves in a church. Uh, Do I need to say what it is? I mean, do I need to go overboard with that and and say what we're talking about? Um, There are certain women who want to go to church to do what? Just to show off and stand out. Now, I'm just going to share I'm not the pastor. So I'm giving you that. (laughs) So I'm giving you this because I'm not the pastor. So uh, if you want to throw stones at me, I'm okay with it because I'm not the pastor of the church. But I'm giving you information that everybody knows that there are attention seekers who go to church and they don't go to fellowship. Um, You can wear pearls, okay? There's a way to do things. We, we, we should know that there's a way to dress. There's a way to wear nice clothing and do so in such a way where you're honoring God and not honoring yourself. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, that's what we want to do. Uh, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look nice. That, that is a very important thing to understand. Um, but we, let's get into this a little bit deeper because we want to see what the key words are here. The key words are modesty and decency. We don't want men to be so distracted they can't worship and praise God because they're looking at someone who looks like um, perhaps they're dressed for evening uh, rather than being dressed for church. So I think that's about the best way I can describe it without being uh, overly uh, critical. I think if you're dressed dressed to go out to a party or if you're dressed to go uh, out uh, on the town, uh, I think that that 's a bit much I think that's a that 's a distraction for most people in church now it 's not again because you not because you can 't look beautiful but because you don 't want to be a distraction into worship service that 's what this is all about when you 're at home, you can wear whatever you want amen um, you you can wear whatever you want and do those things but but ultimately, when it comes to fellowship, this is what Paul is referring to in the church. understand who he's speaking to. he is speaking to a, a, a church who is coming out of a pagan society. And you got to understand that the, the dynamic there is such that he wants to make sure that people understand how to worship. Women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attracted by the good things they do. It's not about what you're wearing. It's about how you're sincere about prayer. It's about how you're showing yourself. All women would do well to remember that beauty begins on the inside. Now, have you not heard stuff like this before? This is nothing new um, your beauty should be coming from within. It should not be just because of how you look. Um, cultural note. Cultural note. Braided hair, pearls, all those things were things that women, sometimes prostitutes would wear. Ah. Sometimes royalty would wear. It, you just have to be careful. that but don't. It's not literally no pearls, no braided hair. It was at that time that was those women. There you go. Now, so I don't know if you heard that or not, but I'll repeat it. Just uh, braided hair... Um, pearls was it that was a sign of people who were in prostitution um, well, like partially. It, partially it was way of drawing attention, it was drawing attention right like, it Pe- was a woman's way of getting attention correct to a woman's way of getting attention to herself okay so there is a cultural issue here that we need to take a look at now what do we compare that can we compare that to where we are today you can wear pearls there's nothing wrong with that because it's accepted that everyone is wearing pearls not everyone back then was not wearing pearls for example it was only for those who were elites or those who were trying to gather attention or, or draw attention to themselves. Um, so that's why we have to have this study. we We need to take sure make sure that we're looking at this from a cultural perspective. Now fast forward to today. what can you do? what can you do to avoid and yeah, give credit where credit is due Lynn Lynn is that is why Lynn is my my top assistant. She is the best she she knows a lot of things about this and has obviously researched it. Uh, and is aware of it. And, but the point that we want to make sure that we're understanding is that being gentle, having a modest, loving character gives a light to the face that can't be duplicated even by the best cosmetics. And that's very true. If people see the love of Jesus in your life, uh, no amount of cosmetics is going to enhance that uh, or cover it up or whatever it is. So we need to see uh, there indeed is goodness um, in a woman who just shows the love of Christ and shows that they're willing to uh, follow Christ. That's what we need to see. Um, the rule for both, general rule for both men and women emphasizes that both behavior and dress must express submission to and respect for Jesus Christ. So men and women need to show respect for Christ. So there is a cultural impact here that we need to look at, and that's something that's very important here. So I hope you're getting something out of that. Now, let's take this one step further because there's additional stuff that's being said here as you go further down into the passage. Uh, Verses 10 and 11, uh, verse 11, women should learn quietly and submissively. I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Now, this was written specifically for the church that he is addressing here. And there's a general comment here that we need to take away from all of this. So first of all, we need to start And look back at what Paul and Timothy were working under. What situation were they under? Culture does matter based upon context. And so we need to take that into account as we look at a study like this. Our culture matters. The culture back then matters. What was the culture back then? In first century Jewish culture, women were not allowed to study. Remember this. Women were not allowed to study. Uh, when Paul said that women should learn quietly and submissively, he was offering them as an amazing new opportunity to learn God's word. Now, so Paul has taken, gone beyond what culture has said, where women were not to study, not to do anything according to Jewish law. And now he's saying you can study. He is saying that you have freedom to study, but you just need to do so in such a way where you're learning quietly And you're learning submissively. Submissively learning to who? The people who are in authority, who were teachers. That's what we have to see here. The ones who knew. He was offering them an opportunity to learn God's word. They were to listen and learn quietly and submissively, which referred to an attitude of quietness, an attitude of composure, not to be totally silent, not to be women who just never said anything. That's not it at all. So it's really important for you to go back and look at this, and it doesn't hurt to look at a commentary or two, uh, honestly, if if you need help with this. But we need to stop taking what's being put in Scripture as a way to put down someone. It's not to put you down. It's to help you. And if we look at this from a cultural perspective, what can be more uplifting than to hear Paul say to you, if you're a woman and you've been told over and over again as adults that you can't learn anything, you can't study, now you're being told you can study, and you can do so. But you need to do so and understand that even if you're doing that, um, we need to make sure that you're, you're learning and you're listening to what's being instructed. Now, if you look at other passages in the Scripture, Paul himself acknowledges women publicly prayed and prophesied. Take a look at 1 Corinthians Eleven five. Paul is is not saying that you can't do it. There's a way to do it. There's a way to do it in such a way where you're you're honoring God, which is what what he was trying to bring out here um, in this particular section. First Corinthians eleven five. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it's the same as if her head were shaven. And if you just read further on, it doesn't say that you can't prophesy and pray publicly. There's a way to do it because you're doing it in such a way where you're honoring God in doing so. When you're praying and speaking prophecy, it needs to honor God, period. It doesn't matter what time or place you do those things. You do them publicly in such a way where you're honoring God. You're not honoring yourself. You're not calling attention to yourself. That's what we need to understand here. That's what Paul is trying to say here. Now, why was he making the statement, going back to our passage in First Timothy, about the women in the Ephesian church? They were abusing their newly acquired Christian freedom. He was speaking to them specifically to not abuse what you have. The women were new converts, without question, because they were just learning, so they were kind of stepping out a little bit, maybe just enthusiastically, maybe they were thinking they were being helpful but what was happening they didn't know a whole lot so they were speaking out and doing so in such a way where they still hadn't matured. they hadn't had enough experience as believers to speak this is very true uh for people speaking today you'll you'll find a lot of people who are not mature in scripture or not mature in what they know and they'll try to tell somebody else something but they're telling them the wrong information so how is that different from what happened back then to today there is no difference if you, are, if you are not speaking in such a way where you have knowledge behind it or, or is supported by what God is saying, better for you not to say anything at all. So I think we need to take into account how Paul was speaking about this and looking at this from uh, the proper authority to speak, which is what this is all about. That is what we want to look at here, everybody. So ladies, for those of you who read and study, God bless you. That's what we need. We need more of that in the church. We need people who are knowledgeable with the word. We don't need people who are always babes, who just are just not maturing in their faith. We need people to continue to grow and and be able to be. Teachers need to be teachable. That includes me. Teachers need to be teachable. If you run into somebody who can't be taught something, well, I'm too evolved. I don't need to do all this stuff. Uh, That's a scary thing to say, isn't it? I'm too evolved uh, for this. I don't need to hear anything further. Uh, well, Then you've just become unteachable, and that means that God is not using you. I'll just put it out there. God is not using you. If you can't be taught something, if you think you know everything about what's being said, and you don't think you can learn something, that's a foolish, foolish thing to think. We need to understand that all of us have to be teachable people, men and women. doesn't matter where you come from. So I hope I was able to, and my wife did a great job there, giving some clarity, too, on the cultural aspect of what's being said. Ladies, you can come and look. I think it goes in the other direction, too, doesn't it? You, Some people have dressed in such a way where they, they look gray. Uh, there's just no emphasis on their personality. And that may be a way for them to humble themselves, I suppose, but I, you don't need to go in the other direction, either. There's a, ba- a healthy balance there. Pray and be classy. Pray and be classy about it. Hey um that's a good way to look at it men set the example ladies you don't need to look like you were run over i mean you can i don't think you'd want to look that way (laughs) i um i think you'd want to look um you want to look respectable and you want to look like you're honoring god i think that's very important too so um look we know how how it is where we've seen people dress in such a way where it's like well you're not honoring god by the way you're dressing and that's men and women so I think we I think we beat that to death. I'm going to keep moving forward here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife says thank you. You beat it to death. Stop it. So let's move forward. Back to verse 12. I don't let let women. I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. Now, this uh, has been interpreted incorrectly in many cases. The interpretation, again, is being very specific to this particular church, but it does not mean that women can't teach. Uh, It means that Paul didn't forbid women from teaching, but because Paul was speaking about uh, Priscilla, uh, the commended co-worker who taught Apollos, the great preacher. That's in Acts 18, verses 24 through 26. Paul frequently mentioned other women who held positions of responsibility in the church. Phoebe worked in the church, Romans 16.1. Mary, Trophina, Trophosa and Persis were the Lord's workers, Romans six sixteen sixteen six, excuse me, Romans 16.12, as were Euodia and Syntyche. Philippians 4.2. Look at all the examples where Paul is giving praise to women who are teaching. Paul was prohibiting the Ephesian women, not all women, from teaching because he wants to make sure that they have the knowledge. So all these other women that he is referring to had knowledge. They were studied. They had studied enough. So we need to always take into context the entire writings of Paul, uh, everything that he has said about women and being involved in the church. It clearly is not anti-biblical. It is not anti-biblical for women to teach in the church. There is a way for you to uh, to need to see. You need to see, for example, that Paul is giving us information that other women have taught in the church. They have taught people who were teachers who became teachers. So let's keep that in mind as we look at passages like this. Now, let's drop down to verse 13 and 14. For God made Adam first, and afterward he made Eve, and it was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. The woman was deceived, and sin was the result. Here's another area we have to look at that we need to give further uh, study into, and we're going to cover this because I don't want to leave this on the table. Paul had explained in previous letters... About the male and female roles in marriage. Let's take a look at one of them, Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Another example is in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33, but I want to look at Colossians 3, verses 18 and 19, because we need to understand that God has not changed his standard when it comes to roles in the church, those have never changed. Uh, those have never been, uh, Those have been, unfortunately, twisted and turned like pretzels today because uh, we have different ways of thinking and because, honestly, men have not done a very good job of stepping up in leadership. And so we understand that those things have been turned upside down. But let's take a look at Colossians 3, verses 18 and 19. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. There, stop. Now, what does that say? Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord because there is a hierarchy that should be followed. But husbands are not to abuse that hierarchy, and they're to love their wives and not be harsh with them. That's the perfect union in a marriage. That's the way it should be in a marriage. And there are times when men need to keep their mouths shut and, and let the women speak. And make sure that they're honoring their wives in that way, too, because you're not, you're not lording over them or ruling over them. Um, let's just take this further. There's a lot of food for thought here for this Sunday. Um, let's go further. So he's talking about these, Paul's talking about these male-female roles within the church. Now, scholars have looked at these verses about Adam and Eve as an illustration of what was happening in the Ephesian church. Just as Eve had been deceived in the Garden of Eden, so the women in the church were being deceived by false teachers. Do you understand women have a different makeup, they have a different way of connecting with God. It's usually very emotional and it's expressed that way and you see that pretty much in every worship setting. Um, men tend to more hold back more. women are very emotional and they are very and they can be influenced as well. Uh, they have to watch for that. That's why women need to pray for discernment as to what they're listening to and what they're hearing. False teaching was highly prominent in the Ephesian church. It was highly prominent. That is what that is what Paul is warning about here. And so just as Adam was the first human created by God, the men in the church in Ephesus should be the first to speak and teach because they had more training. And by and large, that's generally true. I don't care where the training is coming from. I'm going to shut my mouth and let the person teach if there's something of value that needs to be coming to me, from God's uh, own words. And we need to keep our mouths shut and just listen. We need to understand that that's what's really important here. If it's a matter of you not having enough experience, you should be listening and hearing what's being said. And that's what's really important here. Um, and, and that's what we need to take away from this entire section. The men had more training. The women did not have as much training. They could be deceived by people who were teaching falsely and being thrown off track altogether. There's nothing worse than a church that's being ravaged by false teaching. And you, as soon as you step outside the walls of the church, you're in a pagan society. What could be worse? There, it, it can't be any worse. So this is what Paul is cautioning the church. It applies to all churches with similar problems. Paul is pointing these things out that we need to make sure that we're having proper order. The order should be, If someone knows more than you about God's word and you don't know enough, you listen to him. That's exactly what this is all about. If Priscilla was teaching Apollos, who was a great teacher, and giving him instruction, Priscilla was very wise. So we listen to the teacher who has the knowledge. And the proper order is to listen to people in authority who have that information and share it. And that's what we need to remember here. That's the way we need to look at this too. This is not supposed to be a way to cut down anybody, make them feel insignificant, make them feel like, well, you know, uh, uh, certain people should be seen and not heard, stuff like that. Nothing like that should be happening. We need to make sure that those things are being followed. And there isn't a particular order that was being established. And that order was established to do what? To maintain harmony. To maintain um, the proper way to disciple people. There has to be harmony in the church. Uh, nothing worse than a church that's in turmoil and you can't, you're hearing all kinds of different voices and none of them are making any sense. I think that's what we have to take away from all of this. Um, let's go back again to verse 14. Paul, by the way, is not excusing Adam for his part in the fall. Uh, he is saying that the primary blame uh, for humanity's sinful nature is on Adam. Uh, Adam is the one who made the mistake. Adam. Uh, allowed what happened he allowed it to happen uh, he should have uh, basically got Eve back uh, under his uh, uh, leadership and said you shouldn't do any of this stuff but Adam just in there you know dopey dope just kind of looking around as he's as things were taking and 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 he ate the fruit and took it took it and ate it himself he's responsible because he's the one that gave the information to Eve and he allowed Eve to be deceived that's on him We need to understand that. And so Paul wasn't excusing Adam at all. He uh, recognizes that Eve was deceived because, frankly, she listened to what? A false statement, a false teaching. You see where I'm going with this. So we need to understand that. But that's going to be Adam's responsibility to to rebuke that false statement and, and deal with those things. So we have to go back and look at those things, too. Adam is the one who's responsible. Um, I'm going to throw in Romans 5 real quick. Uh, Romans 5, verses 12 through 14. And Eve is not mentioned in this passage. Adam is. Says therefore Romans five twelve through fourteen therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sinned for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given but sin is not counted where there is no law yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam who was a type of the one who was to come so we need to understand that Adam bears a responsibility. He does bear the responsibility. Now, one more section we want to look at, and I, I don't want to take a lot of time with it because it's important. Verse 15, back at First Timothy 2, But women will be saved through childbearing, assuming they continue to live in faith, love, holiness, and modesty. Now, the phrase saved through childbearing can be in understood several ways. Um, and, of course, the obvious ways that we may look at this passage is that man had sinned, so men were condemned to painful labor, which is mentioned in Genesis 3. Women women sinned, so women were condemned to pain and childbearing. Both men and women, however, can be saved through trusting Christ and obeying him. The second way to look at this is that women are fulfilling their God-given roles and demonstrating true commitment and obedience to Christ. And one of the most important roles for a wife and mother is to care for her family. Women have a very innate sense of care for family. They are the ones who nurture the children. That is, what, that is what they have been given as a gift from God to be able to have that ability. And that's whether you know the Lord or not. I mean, it's innate. It's there. Um, it's just something that's always there. Another way to look at this passage is that the childbearing mentioned here refers to the birth of Jesus Christ. Women and men are saved spiritually because of the most important birth, that is, of Christ himself. Childbearing. There's there's multiple meanings in that last passage there. And, of course, we know that Christ had to come to the world to save sinners of who I am, the worst. Amen? That's a passage that Paul wrote himself, that uh, Christ had to come into the world to do those very things, so he recognizes it. So this ties all back into this worship thing that we're looking at earlier in the passage. Um Another thing that's been mentioned here that you can take from that passage, verse 15, from the lessons learned through the trials of childbearing, women can develop qualities that teach them about love, trust, submission, and service. And no one knows better about that than a woman who's been through a pregnancy and looking through um, a developing relationship with an unborn child and what that means to the person and how uh, a lot of women, when they have uh, a child for the first time, They want to continue to do so because the expression and the feeling of euphoria they experience over having a child, even after all the the pain and suffering that takes place within the experience, is something that just can't be duplicated. Uh, In that way, women have a very, very important role in the church, and understanding have a greater understanding about love and nurturing and care and respect for others. And you can learn a lot from women in church. Men, we can learn a lot from the ladies. As far as how things are done. is there Should there be an order? Absolutely. Should there be a, a way that we look at uh, following Jesus Christ? Should there be a way where it's done for men and women in modesty and appearance? Absolutely. All those things are very important for us to see. Okay. We went through all of this. Wow. And it was big. And I, I thank you for your patience as we uh, just surpassed the, the uh, 1030. Uh, but that's okay. We... The, the beauty of this is that we covered everything we wanted to cover. Please go back and look at this again and also take the time and look at Pastor Gus's uh, message in the timeline as well, too, uh, later on uh, after, this, after this is done. We're going to go ahead and close out and pray right now. Just please remember to pray, um, not just for the aspect of worship, but also just pray for our members as well, too. Because whether you're at home or whether you're in the church, you can worship God right where you're seated at. That's what we always want to remember, and that responsibility goes to both men and women. Take the time to truly look at what you have, not at what you don't have, but what you have. You have a lot in Christ. Christ is the one who gives us this freedom to worship, and it's basically freedom that we have because Christ gave his life for us. That's what it says in verse 6. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. We are free in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your lesson today. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for greater understanding of what Paul is saying about the aspect of worship and about the aspect of understanding that it's not all about what you wear or how you come across, but it is about our attitudes. It is about humbling ourselves before you. It's about making sure that we are always open to be taught. It's about making sure that we understand that there's a reason why you have a structure. There's a reason why you have order. Um, There's no way in the world that we can serve you if we are serving in disorder and chaos. We thank you for those things that you put forth before us. Because you know who we are as a people. You know that we need guidance. we, We need instruction. We need to make sure that we have discernment to overcome false teaching. And we thank you for all of those things that you give to us. We pray for more of it. We pray for greater understanding. We pray for greater knowledge. We pray that we continue to always be mindful of others as we look to you. And Lord, we want to do what your will is, not our own will. We want to serve you. We thank you for those reminders. Bless us and keep us, Lord, going forward as we move into a new month already. Turning the page from one place to another. And yet we do so with respect and reverence for who you are and how you brought us through a very tough situation, how you're going to continue to protect us and keep us. Bless us, O Lord, we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks for being here today. God bless you all. Thanks for your patience while waiting for me to get through all of that. It's a very rich uh, passage. Uh, please stay online in the timeline. Look for Pastor Gus's message. Uh, it'll be following uh, right now. It'll be available, and it is pre-recorded, so you can always go back and look, to it and look at it later on too if you're pressed for time. But God bless you all. We are just uh, so grateful to be here today. Um, I can't stress enough how much I love all each and every one of you. Uh, you are, you make me, uh, you inspire me to do this, and God has inspired me to do it the best way I can. Uh, you guys take care of yourselves god bless you please enjoy your sunday enjoy the rest of your week stay online with us at akron Alliance fellowship church on the facebook page and also on AkronAlliance.org for content and uh, we do miss you we wish to look forward to seeing you back in church very soon god bless you take care we'll see you next time